Hi, I'm KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with Logan Rogers and Jason Holtzman, editors from the upcoming Scott Snyder Presents Tales from the Cloakroom Volume 2 Kickstarter. Welcome, Logan. Welcome, Jason. Hello. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. But um, outside my introduction, who is Logan Rogers and Jason Holtzman in their own words? So who wants to go first? Jason, I get the floor to oh. you. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, currently, right now, I'm a student at Ball State University in Indiana. I'm looking to get involved in publishing after I'm after I've completed my college career. So that's part of the reason why I'm here working on this, getting my first experience as an editor, getting a resume piece, and kind of you know getting my uh, first like feel of testing the water, so to speak, on the industry I want to get in and what I want to do later in life. Cool. Uh, hi, I'm Logan, and I am a graduate student in creative writing in playwriting and fiction at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I live in the sister city of uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. So that's where I am right now. Uh, I do playwriting and fiction for school right now. I am a comics editor in my free time over here with the uh, Tales from the Cloakroom series. And then outside of that, just general nerd um, and I work for an insurance company by day to pay the bills. Uh, yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do, right? <laughs> yeah. But, um, what is Tales from the Cloakroom about, and what should readers, both old and new, expect from in volume two? So, it's going to be a continuation of the philosophy of the first volume, which was a bunch of students from Scott's class on his substack, Our Best Jacket, with two Ts, uh, they all got together and they said, why don't we in this first year in tandem with Scott's monthly lectures that he does over Zoom and then he does Q&As afterward with the students, why don't we all get together and make our own comics and then kickstart our own comics? Because one of the first or second lectures he ever gave was about the comics climate in making your comic accessible these days via Kickstarter versus trying to break down the wall to get into Marvel or DC or Image or Boom or wherever it is. It's much easier to just build your portfolio and your resume, making your own stuff and funding your own stuff through Kickstarters or uh, Substack or Patreon or whatever your model may be. So they all got together, decided to do that, and they made six page stories. And the philosophy of their book was that it had to involve a jacket somehow or a coat or some form of outerwear in their story in some form um, because it was a reference to our best jacket Scott Snyder's imprint over at Substack that he also teaches the class under so they all went off and did that um, I actually missed hearing about it because I joined the class a few months late just because I was moving uh, back from California at the time back here to Minnesota so I just missed a thing or two and then when May rolled around of last year, they uh, launched the Kickstarter and I was in the class. So I heard about it. I saw some of the writers and artists on Instagram from the Discord server post about it. So I messaged one of the writers, C. Solis, uh, in the first volume. They got me in touch with the editors of the first volume. And I just started asking the questions of how they got the ball rolling. I jumped on the Discord server and started poking around saying, hey, who wants to do 
another anthology like the one they're doing over on the Kickstarter. And a lot of people who didn't get the chance in the first year of Scott's class hopped on. A bunch of people who signed on fresh for the second year hopped on. And we, uh, to the best of our ability, sort of copied and pasted the loose format that they had last year. The only real difference is that while, while, while they had an editorial team of five, we had one of three. And we actually are kind of standing on the shoulders of them with this volume. They did a lot of the foundational work. And then we're taking that and trying to just keep the baton going with the hopes that when there's another year of Scott's class, a different group of editors will pick it up, a different group of students and like writers, artists will jump in and give their stories to it. Um, so right now with volume two, our mission is just to keep the spirit of volume one alive and to make this a running thing. Cool. So Jason, how did you get involved with working as an editor for volume two? So I got involved in this. I, I don't remember when it was, but I had caught wind of the first one mentioned in Scott's class and I was still in high school. I was a senior in high school. And I kind of let it go by the wayside. It was something I kept in the back of my mind because I knew I wanted to go into publishing. So I thought it would be a good opportunity. And on the other hand, I also knew I was only a senior in high school and I was thinking, I don't know if I'm gonna have much to add. And by the time I reached out, they were in their Kickstarter phase. The book was basically done. So I was like, okay, I'll wait and see what happens. And then lo and behold, Logan came around. He was asking people to get involved, like gauge interest. In the beginning, I was one of, so I was one of three people who like signed up, I think, to be an editor. Uh, the third of those people, he helped us set the Kickstarter, then he left. And then we got our another editor who joined us, JB. He's not with us tonight, but he's still working with us. So that's where I fit in. I mean, now I'm, I'm finishing my first year of college. The semester will end in May. I've gotten some experience in my media courses. I've gotten a ton of experience on this. I've got some internships pending at the moment. And I mean, that's all started because... I got the work done on this and we're hoping the Kickstarter goes well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so you're working in, in, in publishing and editing, right? And in Logan, I know you mentioned before that you are into creative writing and like you said, playwriting, right? And things like that, right? And then would you say plays? Yeah. Writing? Yeah. Playwriting uh -huh. and fiction is what I'm studying right now. I've been a playwright for about 10 years now at this point. Um, and then fiction is something that I'm less versed in, which is why I'm doubling up on the work over there in grad school. Um, comics have always been on and off the table. I'm not too good at drawing them, but I love reading them and I've taken a crack at writing them a couple of times. Um, so I'm, I was versed enough kind of in the, the overlap that there is in playwriting theory and comic book writing theory because there's a lot of like visuals and you have mm -hmm. to embody the action and the meaning of that and you have maybe 60 minutes to two hours in a play you have six pages to 24 pages in a comic maybe longer if it's a graphic novel um so i'm kind of bringing the brain of a theater creator to bear over into the comic space so i i want i wanted to make the the, the the difference I wanted to point out the difference because I wanted to know do you prefer creating the work or editing it or is it kind of almost it's gotten to the point where it's kind of like 
is almost the same or it's like it's becoming one thing you can't really tell the difference between one or the other anymore i i think that in the comic sphere i'm i enjoy editing a lot more than when i was creating just because um i i think that there's an important role and like jason and jb help out with this immensely and i know jason can probably speak to this a whole lot more than i can but just being the supportive role or being the role that helps shape the thing from being the whatever raw material that it was into something that's publishable because uh we're trying to create things that are essentially these little portfolio pieces that meet industry standard for our uh writers and artists to be able to share so that way they can go hey here's this piece whatever smaller comics publishing or larger or wherever they want to go with it and maybe they want to keep it all in a portfolio of self-created work um they can take it and do whatever they will with it so for me in the writer to like editor side of things in comics i'm definitely more of an editor i think Whereas over in playwriting and fiction, I'm 100% the writer that will lock my door for an entire weekend and not leave my apartment and just be huddled over my computer screen working on something. Uh-huh. And so, Jason, like, for you working, um, you know, trying to get into publishing and whatnot, um, would you prefer to stay in this space in editing and publishing or would you like to go off at some point into writing or have you seen too much of it and you're like no way I want to keep staying as editor um, it, it's something I've considered and I think part of that journey is why I'm interested in uh the like in the publishing aspect of the business is that uh, in reality like I used to like writing I think when I was younger I was like you yeah, know I'll be a writer but when you look at that lifestyle that lifestyle is very much of a grind it is it is it can be very difficult and I have an immense respect for people who are able to pull off you know and become successful or maybe not necessarily successful as deemed by like what society would deem successful but happy with themselves in terms of what they can create via being a writer or being an artist Whereas not that publishing isn't difficult to get into, but it's a little more, it's a little more straightforward. You have businesses you can work for, you're going to be employed. So you'll have things like health insurance, or you'll have life insurance, which you're not going to get when you're freelancing by yourself. Uh, that's one of the draws to it. I definitely, I won't uh, say that later in life, right? Like if I have the ability, I won't write more on the side or like try to pursue creative outputs. But this is a way for me to balance my need to hopefully work on something creative in my life, but also maintain some of that security that come uh, that doesn't necessarily come with pining to be a writer or pining to be an artist. So that's the goal here. I, I still write from time to time and being an editor has certainly helped that, you know, um, when I have to write for some of my college courses, I can take a step back and I'll be like, I know this isn't working. And if I look at it like, if this is someone someone submitted to the anthology or something I've read, what would I tell them about why this is not working? And then I can kind of look at it from okay, so that, like third person from your guys' perspective whole, and figure um, out what's going on. Input throughout the you know process of making uh, Tales from the Cloakroom Volume Two. What would you say? I guess is the most difficult aspect of editing this anthology or any work that you've encountered that you you feel like it's it's never going to get easier or that you hope it gets easier as you continue on 
uh, doing what you want to do, like either editing or taking what you've learned from editing into your writing? Um, I know. I think for if there was something that were maybe the most like difficult or stressful part part of this, sometimes I would look mm -hmm. at it as the time it takes, and that's simply because this is we're having to do this like secondary to you know our jobs, our normal schooling, and stuff like that. So for me. That might change in some respect if I got if I went on further along and I got a career in publishing like that. Um, in terms of like, and I know that's kind of like not very tangible and might not correlate to everything. In terms of something really specific to anthology, at one point in time, I, we had to decide out of the stories we had who would make it and who wouldn't. And I won't miss words when sometimes that sucks to see people's work and realize like, man, we we have to turn them down, you know, for whatever reason. And that's part of the job that's never going to go away. That's if I, you know, do other anthologies, that's going to be there. If I go and work at an office, that's going to be there. It, it doesn't really matter. And so, uh, like, it sucks, but it's also, it's a good learning experience for people and then, and for yourself to figure out how to deal with it. So I'd say this probably definitely has been the hard, hardest part because aside from that, I can't speak to, how great not only my fellow editors have been, but all the collaborators we've had on the book as the whole. I mean, the entire book probably comprises the work of around 60 or 70 people. And we really haven't had any issues with like personnel, which I consider as blessing. I mean, there hasn't been drama. There haven't been like arguments. There haven't been infighting in like the discord channel and you know, sometimes that happens with, on creative projects and when work is involved. And so far, none of that has been the case. It's it's really been pretty smooth sailing. Just uh, you just got to keep chugging along and deal with the volume of stuff uh, that comes your way. Yeah. So I honestly, the hardest part about it for me is what we're doing kind of right now where we're on like the tight now that we're like getting closer to the kickstarter we're on those tight deadlines where it's like no we have to have the pages formatted and the pages have to be formatted right and they have to be a hundred percent correct before we send them off to the printer and before we end up spending however x amount of money to get copies of the book and we have to take the time to make sure that the dimensions are right the pages are sitting there and that we are honoring every single writer and artist's work and so the hardest part about that isn't necessarily the work, but it's the amount of time it takes to do that and to give each page the close scrutiny to make sure it's going to sit well and do as well as it possibly can. Also knowing that we have, I mean, in the most immediate sense, we have uh, a convention coming up that we're going to be at to, to plug the book a little bit. But then also come May, we need to make sure that we've really crossed off everything related to the printing process of the book itself. And unfortunately, it just takes time to get those pages together and then send it off to a printer and then wait on the proof copy to come in the mail, um, especially with paper shortages right now and everything. It's sort of like a every free second, like whether it's on your break at work or on my break at work or whenever I have like an hour in the evening or so or before bed, I'm just popping open my iPad, going on Procreate and being like, okay, are the dimensions right here? Are they right over here? And going over everything with a fine tooth comb. Um, that's, that's, the, that's been the biggest challenge I would say so far, which to Jason's point is kind of a blessing that it took us to get to like get to here 
for things to start getting even this kind of stressful. Uh-huh. Well, while you guys were working um, on an editorial team for Tales of From the Cloakroom Volume 2, um, I guess, what have you learned as an editor that you, I guess, didn't appreciate as a writer? And what advice or suggestions would you offer to creators you wish they knew before they sent their work in to like before they submitted their work for whatever it is whether it is to be edited or to be published or just to be seen by anybody really that you know that's that's kind of a tough one because there's so much I think speaking personally in terms of what I've learned one thing that's really set in for me is there's multiple ways to tell a story and it's important to keep that in mind and I've thought about that after reviewing work here and other stories I've read because there are a number of different entries in the anthology, which I feel like in their own ways are kind of reaching for the same, you know, core point. You know, we, we're working with a short story, but they all manage to do it in different ways. You know, uh, a message about, uh, I don't want to give too much away from the story. So like a message about, you know, thing A, one person who's trying to reach that wrote an action story while another creator wrote like this sappy love story or, you know, you have all these different genres and some of them share the same points and it's kind of a good it's a good way to look at oh like there's a lot of ways you can write a story you know you don't have to stick to just one thing or you don't have to stick to some like concrete method that the internet tells you is the best way to write something in terms of advice it's hard to give advice to creators other than um I don't know if there's much you can do like pre-write like you got to get what you get out there make sure it's communa like it's easy um, to understand, especially in the script stage. I think a lot of our notes sometimes be like, okay, we understand what you're saying only because we're not having to draw this. This is not going to make sense to whoever, like you need to fix your grammar here. You need to make sure that whoever reads this knows what exactly you're talking about. You're using too many indirect pronouns instead of just putting the name of the actual object. Like make sure everything you do is clear and make sure you have a good grasp on communication. If I mentioned earlier, like we haven't had many problems in the anthology, the only small bumps or bumps in the road have quite literally been because of lack of communication. And that's that's been it. Yeah. And um, as far as like I've actually learned a lot from this, both as um, uh, as an editor and as a writer and my writing specifically, it's, it's uh, that there is a way in which you can definitely utilize shorter forms or shorthands for your stories. In comics, it's a bit different because you can use a visual motif or a metaphor to give someone like the who, what, where of a character and how they're feeling. And just by looking at the art, we can project our emotions into the character. They can do it to us. But in my short story writing this semester in school, I've used a lot of the notes and criteria that we made together uh, like in last fall, Jason and JB and I, uh, about just like how you have to make your story very tight and very direct in six pages. And I keep on thinking about that this semester in school and carrying it with me where it's like, how, how do I utilize the most out of this paragraph or out of this word? How do I simplify it? When am I putting in too much in my story that's bogging it down or is distracting it? Like we've had, again, not to give too much away, but there were a, like two or three stories that are in the final book. Now the first draft of it 
felt like a proof of concept for a story. It didn't feel like so much of a story as it was someone's like ideas for what the story could be. And then after we gave those notes being like, what if you just take one of these elements out of there and you tell a story about one of these things? And then some of them would go back and then on their second draft and their rewrite, they would give us, you know, essentially what was once a sentence or three sentences and they would take that and break it open into six whole pages and you can take an idea like that and have the space to really explore it in that short space of six pages in a really profound way that lets it breathe as opposed to just trying to cram it everything into six pages that's just a really broad stroke of a, of a paintbrush mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so Outside of working on Tales from the Cloakroom Volume 2, right? You have it all handled. It's, it's the three of you and all of the collaborators. You know, it's pretty much done at this point. You just now got to get it, you know, out there to the people and whatnot. So now you have to deal with everything else outside of it. How well do either of you balance all of that school and work and, you know, you know, family, friends, intimate relationships, even your pets, right? Like, do you or have you ever been overwhelmed? And how do you typically manage your mental well-being when you do? Um, I, don't know. I hope I can give sound advice. I mean, like we said, it's gone smoothly. There have been times where things have gotten, like there's been a lot, especially, I think it was our second review stage. We, uh, reviewing the scripts takes time and we had a lot to review that coincided with you know, just schoolwork. I have, I have to work, uh, I work at my library. There's like another job in there. Um, and I mean, really for me, it sounds simple, but I, I have to believe, like, I know it's not the end all be all. Eventually I'm going to get to the end of whatever's happening, like whatever's going on. Uh, this week, especially we just returned from classes from spring break. And I feel like the teachers have some vendetta against us or something. I have a, I've been working on a lot of stuff throughout this week. I was rushing to get on my computer after I just got home from classes, you know, just just a little bit before this started. But I that's really what gets me through it. Um, you know, it's not super like philosophy. Uh, it's not super um, uh, intriguing advice, I feel like, or super deep. But it's really just remembering, like taking a deep breath and like just work my way through it. You know, by the time I get this done, the next day is going to roll around. The next day is going to come and it's going to be freer and it's going to be freer until more stuff happens. And really, uh, that's that's all I've been able to do at this point. Um, there have only been a couple moments where it's gotten super stressful, but it's certainly something I've been keeping in the back of my mind in terms of, you know, do I want to return to this next year when I could have other opportunities like internships or other jobs pop up and weighing what exactly I commit my time to? Yeah, I I would... Uh, agree with a lot of what Jason said. I know that for me, I, I'm lucky in the sense that I do have a therapist that I get to check in with twice a week. So like in, in that regard, I kind of have someone who could like look at me and be like, you need to slow down or if you're going to go this hard, what are you doing when you have a free moment to like give yourself some space? So I, um, I would say, you know, talk to someone. I'm also very lucky that I have a wonderful partner and uh, they're also in grad school and busy as a bee in theater as well. But 
whenever we both need to find a moment, even if it's at like 10 o'clock at night and we just like hang out and watch an episode of a show and go to bed or something. Um, it's, it's one of those things where we definitely intentionally schedule the time, whether it's half an hour or whether it's, Hey, we're going to set aside this night. We're going to go out, get dinner and then come home. And it's not going to be about work or school. This is going to be set aside time for us. And then like the compromise is that we can do that one night of the week and then a different night of the week, we can still hang out, but it will just be quiet work time where we're still doing, whether it's homework or I'm doing stuff for this or whatever we have going on, we'll still sort of spend time together silently working on our own things. And we, we try to be intentional about like when life allows us to have more fun and not have, not be so responsible we lean into that because we always know that it's just a few weeks or a few months away from it going the other way around. Um, I, well, I mentioned that he brought it up and I say this not just as an editor, but also as a college student, I think a way to help if you feel like times are tough or there's a lot weighing on you, if you're not already uh, get, get organized. And I mean, I might sound like a teacher when I say something like keep an agenda. Um, I like what Logan mentioned there, how, saying sometimes, you know, they might lean in, you know, they can take it easy because they know that those stressful times are going to come back. And that's really, I think that's super important. I try to keep a schedule for myself at the beginning of each week on Monday. I lay out everything I have to get done by the time the weekend is. And, but I don't go too much further ahead of that because I, I never know what life is going to look like, but having that schedule there, it definitely keeps me focused i'm like oh yeah i need to make sure i have this done by sunday so i know i need to work on this now that means i have to work on this you know on wednesday and this thing on tuesday i can't i cannot recommend enough how important it is on having the schedule because it also helps allow for communication again being organized like i said some of the small bumps in the anthology have only come from lack of communication it's because you know, someone's pages weren't where we thought they were, or someone's like submitted their pages like to one of us, but they didn't upload it here, or one of us forgot to upload the pages that somebody only sent to us and didn't share with the whole group, something like that. It's organization is really, really key, and it can help you like uh, be steady and get through things. Mm-hmm. So, is there anything else? That all of you want to touch on about Tales from the Cloakroom Volume 2 that we may have missed. I mean, as of right now, as we, we are recording, the page isn't it up right, up right now. Um, do you know any of the rewards for potential backers? And Logan, I know you have a copy, a physical copy of it with you right now. So Yeah, so the, the rewards right now are being worked out. Um, and it's we do have an artist that we're working with, and part of the reason why we don't have the exact merch that we're offering alongside just copies of the book is because we're in that limbo state where the feelers have been put out. We're just waiting to hear back on what the official word is. We're hoping to have uh, little fun pieces of swag like bookmarks and stickers and so on and so forth. Um, again, that's like all tentative. The book we know is going to um we're gonna have a digital copy of it we're gonna have the regular uh trade paperback like bound version of it that will ship directly to you if the kickstarter goes well and then we are working right now to try to get a variant cover as a different uh reward that you can sign up for and 
the information for all of that is is like it's softly live right now at our link tree it's going to be 100 percent up and running by uh by the end of march because at the end of march for c2e2 when scott snyder is going to be there in chicago jason and i are going to be there with a bunch of freebie preview copies of four stories of the book inside there so that is the cover by our lovely artist uh nai rodriguez and then you can go ahead and swing by it's going to have a qr code on the back right there if you're at c2e2 in chicago and totally free we're going to try to have them at scott snyder's table uh if all goes well if not we're just going to have them at on the floor walking around and you can find us and we will give you them you can find us on the socials it's at cloakroom comics on twitter and yeah we'll be there with that we'll also have business cards and bookmarks and stuff that have the qr code on there too it will lead you to all of our links socials the kickstarter link and then also a newsletter where you can sign up to follow along um and then that's what we have so far right now i don't want to say too much more about what we're going to offer on the kickstarter until we have the 100 percent yeses but there there will definitely be some goodies coming who to whoever wants to sign up for them uh -huh. um is there anything that either of you have out anything like going on outside of tales from the cloakroom volume two like hey i got this coming up later or hey i'm offering my services to anybody once this is finished or anything like that people can reach out to you if they wanted to if you have anything uh, actually, I do. My second year of school is going to be the last one. It's a two-year MFA program, and I will be doing a substack for that and for documenting the process of that whole year of work for the final project. It's in talks right now with one of my professors, and it's either going to be a play that I'm just going to show the process, developmental process for for a year, or it's going to be um, about an experimental webcomic visual novel video game that I've been tinkering with. And if that's the one that ends up going with, it's going to be the entire creation process of like maybe a chapter of that video game, visual novel sort of hybrid. Um, but I'm still waiting to hear back on which one they will accept for the, uh, the degree requirements. The video game one is a bit of a stretch, but we're going to hope. Mm -hmm. Um, on my end, I mean, I can't say I have much. I still have minimum three years of college left before I've got my education wrapped up. That being said, if any of uh, the people listening check out the book and decide they really like it, they want to reach out to me if they're involved with any possible anthologies. I very well may be willing to come on as an editor simply because I'm looking to build my resume in pieces. On that note, I want to go back a little bit. Logan was talking about the book. Hopefully that link, if you don't get your hands on a physical copy, we will have uh, bookmarks with the QR code that should take you to a digital version of that preview. And a digital version of that preview should be able to be found via our socials and will probably be posted alongside this video when it goes live, if we can work that out. Just uh, we're sending the preview everywhere, trying to get people involved because then it has links back to the Kickstarter. It can take you wherever everything you need to go, just so you guys know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It'll yeah. It'll be linked in um uh, in this episode both audibly and um the video YouTube. Thanks, Jeff. 
But um, Jason, where can where can people reach you? Do you have socials or just like I do email? have socials. I mean, uh, you most notably like you guys will have access to the uh, cloakroom socials. You will be able to reach me through there on Twitter, and um, I'll be one of the editors like running it. I'm also on Twitter, just at Jason Holtzman four at at the end of my name. I don't actually know how that four got there. I don't remember by now. Um, but that's my Twitter. Um, I have social media handles. I don't remember off the top of my head. I could plug to be in the description of the video and such once this goes live. Okay. Only if you feel comfortable. Oh, yeah. have to. <laughs> All right. Well, again, I want to thank Logan Rogers and Jason Holtzman, editors from the upcoming Scott Snyder Presents Tales from the Cloakroom Volume 2 Kickstarter for joining us here today. All of our guests' socials and website will be listed in this episode details alongside Tales from the Cloakroom Volume 2's Kickstarter for those who are interested in supporting the anthology. Again, I'm K.S. Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nerd Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. 